What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Brennan and Damo back on the show, and it is Tuesday. It is a couple days before the NBA draft. It is going to be our last show before the draft, so going to go over anything that we've heard the past few days. There's been a lot of rumblings about what the Wizards may do with the 10th pick or in terms of what they may do to try and uh, acquire another guard. But we're going to start off with Tommy Shepard's press conference that he did recently. And while I didn't get a chance to listen to it, I know that Damo did get the chance to, to tune in. So I just want to get your thoughts on what you took away from what he had to say. He typically doesn't say a whole lot in terms of which way he's leaning. He's pretty good at hiding information. He makes everything sound great you know they're prepared for anything and everything but what was your takeaway from his press conference um i mean it really wasn't much to take away from it outside of like you know the kind of no context uh quotes that were kind of floating around um you know there you know he mentioned uh uh as far as the roster is concerned uh, the, the point guard, obviously. And, you know, Chris kind of asked him, you know, are you looking for like a traditional guard? You know, with the way the league is played now, you know, it's more of, of, of I think he said, a points guard versus a, a true point guard. Um, and, and how does that kind of impact your thinking as far as addressing the position for the Wizards? Um, and he gave a little, little insight on it. Um, and then that's where the quote about Bradley Beal playing some point guard uh, came up. But I think his overall message was that they're trying to find guys that, or they're trying to find a point guard that fits around what they have. And just, just from the tone of what he was saying, it seems the core of what he, what they have, they believe is Beal, KP, Kuzma. Um Definitely Beal and KP, because uh, he kept mentioning those two, and then he would he would then go to Kuzma. So um, I think that's going to be kind of that seems to be his priority number one, two, and three is finding a, a point guard that's going to fit next to those three um, and complement those guys. So um, I'm interested to see how he does that. Um, that's going to you know, and if that kind of satisfies. Uh, Wizards fans. Matt Baderno, believe in Wizards, recently had on Chase Hughes to go over any last-minute thoughts that he had, any direction that he believed the, the Wizards may go in. And just to let you guys know, next week on Wednesday, we will be having Chase on to go over any any post-draft thoughts that he has. Um, tell us why the the Wizards did what they did up to that point. So be on the lookout for that. But Chase did say on Matt's show that he believed at the end of the day that the Wizards were going to take Tari Eason. And we've been looking at a, a bunch of mock drafts lately and a lot of NBA insiders, maybe not necessarily local insiders like Chris Miller, um, Ava Wallace, Chase Hughes. But a lot of people have been saying the Wizards are going to take Johnny Davis. So it feels like at this point they're going to go with one of those two guys. And I know that it's kind of mixed opinions on Wizards Twitter. And I, and I think that's okay. Right. Like, like at 10, 10 is a really tricky spot because I think you're just on the brink. You're just on the outside of, of getting a definite talent, like a, 
a Dyson Daniels or perhaps a, a Shade and Sharp. I know people have mixed reviews on Sharp as well, but it, it's 10 also isn't a, a place where you're necessarily going to be getting like a bad talent. Like there's decent talent at 10, but what did you think about what Chase had to say on Believe in Wizards? Yeah, um, I mean, it, it it makes sense. I mean, Tari Eason, I mean, the advanced numbers on him are are through the roof. I mean, there, there are people that have Tari Eason as a top three player just based on, you know, his advanced numbers. He was very productive uh, as a sophomore there at LSU. But the, the question is, you know, with how he got his numbers, playing a lot of backup center, um, you know, will that actually translate over into the NBA where he'll be playing more of a wing role, um, presumably? Uh, you know, the jumper, the 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 jump shot, the, the three-point percentage, the free throw percentage, the, the numbers on it look fine. Like he was 80-plus percent from the free throw line. I think he was like 36%. Uh, from three on on decent volume uh, for for you know where he'd be playing as a forward, uh, but when you look at the mechanics of the jump shot, it kind of looks funky. Um, he kind of plays with kind of like a herky jerky uh, style, um, and his, he doesn't have a left hand. Like he is not going left, but he's so athletic. It kind of for him in college at least it didn't matter because he's so athletic, he can just get by you with his first step and, and he just leaps over top of you. Uh, and then with his power and length, like, it was a bucket. He was one of the best players in the league, in, in college, at the rim and, and in transition. So when he got a run and start, uh, it was it was more more times than not a bucket. Uh, you know, I, I could see it. Like, you know, we were just talking about it earlier before we got on. Like, Tommy's board doesn't always kind of align with consensus boards. Um, you know, he, he, he had, uh, uh, Rui as a top 10 guy and I don't, that was not consensus coming into the draft. Uh, you had mentioned to me before that they really liked Precious Achua, uh, in his draft and had Denny not slipped, that might've been the pick. And I don't know any draft board that had Precious Achua as like a top 10 guy. So Tari Eason would kind of fit that mode of, you know, the bouncy, hyper-athletic wing defender that uh, is probably not a consistent top 10 pick, but uh, for Tommy it is if, if he's, you know, following his own board. So kind of shifting and moving away from the the draft pick talk itself, there's also been a lot of rumors lately that the, the Wizards are very much interested in acquiring a, a veteran point guard, which we've kind of been speculating for a while, even a, a little bit before the season ended. And, and now to see that come to light and Tommy's mentioned it, that, you know, they, they'd like to improve at that position, get a veteran guard. It's, it, it's not exactly clear, I think, what type of player they're looking for. But we, we saw Quentin Mayo's report. They're interested in DeJounte Murray. They're interested in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Um, they're interested in Malcolm Brogdon, and there were more reports about that today from ESPN, and I, I think another outlet that the Wizards are very much interested in Malcolm Brogdon. But I think the the, the problem with a guy like Malcolm Brogdon, like, of, of course, we would trade DeJounte Murray for, or I mean, uh, we would trade number 10 for DeJounte Murray or Shea Gilgis-Alexander, but what no one is trading 10 for Malcolm Brogdon. And I, I know... You had said before we got on, Tommy is not that stupid, but I just hope the 
the being desperate doesn't kick in and you end up doing something stupid where you end up trading the draft rights for that number 10 pick for a Malcolm Brogdon who is either 30 or about to be 30. He hasn't played a full season in a while. So th- that's my concern at this point with what they do at that pick. But what do you think about that scenario in general? And then just the other guys that have been mentioned. Uh, the the Brogdon, Brogdon scenario, uh, I mean, I, that's had legs for a while. It made sense once they, once the Pacers kind of just hit the slight reset button and got Tyrese Halliburton, uh, who the Wizards should have drafted. But uh, uh, yeah, so I, it, it, Following the tea, following the tea leaves, it makes sense to for them to kind of poke around. Think Brogdon, the idea of Brogdon, doesn't really align with the reality of Brogdon at this point in his career. Like I think we still think of Brogdon as the fifty forty ninety guy that was with the Milwaukee Bucks, mm-hmm. um, and he's not that guy anymore. Uh, he's much older. Is a lot more wear and tear on the knees. Uh, and he's not even shooting it as efficiently as he used to because he used to be seen as one of the better shooters in the league. Um, but I know this past year, he didn't shoot it well at all. So, uh, and then his contract is like 20 something, $22 million a year. So it's like, okay, you're going to have to send out matching salaries, at least probably like 15 something million to, to get him in. That's going to mean either Kuzma or KCP plus another player mm-hmm. um is that is that worth an aging point guard on a high salary i i, I don't know i would I, say no yeah I, I, yeah I, I would say no i would say no because i wouldn't even trade i wouldn't trade kcp or kuzma straight up for correct my i agree i agree um you know we talked about this before on, on a previous pod like you know to me, he's like, I wouldn't say he's a negative asset, but he's not an asset for me where I feel like you, uh, you trade, you damn sure not trading a top 10 pick for him. Like, no way, no oh, how. Right. No way. Um, maybe he's a guy, maybe he's a guy you might maybe move down a couple spots to get him. Like, if we were trading 10 and say the Pacers had, I don't know, the 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 14th pick or the 15th pick, you would do something like that maybe, but I'm not giving you number 10 for a, a point guard that might play 50 games, 55 games, um, and has been declining the last three, four years. So, uh, yeah, I, I just don't – I don't see – I don't see a scenario where the Wizards make that happen unless, unless the Pacers, like, throw in – a young player or something to, to attach to Brock. Um, I, I just don't see Tommy doing it. Definitely not involving number 10. Well, and we've mentioned before, right? Like we would do 10 if it was to move up to six, but if you're the right. Pacers, it, it does like, yeah, I mean, I would consider Malcolm Brogdon's contract a, a liability, but again, like it's kind of on the border of just kind of being a, a neutral and a negative asset. So it's not like it's Russell Westbrook where or John Wall where they're making almost 50 million to where you're like, okay, like I would really love to get off this and shed some money. But again, it's, he's only making 20 something million. And if you have the chance to get Dyson Daniels or Shaden Sharp or, or maybe even, you know, Keegan Murray, whoever they like, 
if there's someone there at six, they really feel like can be a building block for them long term and they know that they wouldn't be able to get them at 10. I wouldn't be eager to move Malcolm Brogdon back to move four spots like moving Malcolm Brogdon is not worth missing out on a guy at six if you really feel like he can be a building block for your future. Right. I totally agree. And it's like, you know, yeah, like I, I don't think the Pacers are in any any like rush to make the deal. I mean, they could just keep keep Brogdon. I, I kind of see Brogdon contract, um, you know, his value kind of similar to like Gordon Hayward's. Like they were once really good, very efficient, but they just can't stay healthy and they're older now. So you're kind of they're not they're not on like a supermax contract, right? But they're still making more money than you would probably pay them on an open market, given their injury history and age at this point. So it's like you could keep them, you know, and hope that they can play 60, 70 games and be semi-productive, or you can you could get off of them, but you're probably gonna have to give up a little bit to get off of them because they still have you know, big money left on their deals. Um, you know, that that's at least two plus years. So um yeah, so it, it'll be interesting to see how how that how that works out with, with Tommy. DeJounte Murray, I think, is the most he makes the most sense for me. Like that would be my number one option if they were going to trade for a veteran point guard. The the problem becomes I, I don't think that we quite frankly have enough. Like if even if we were to swap, like say the the Spurs are like, okay, well we'll give you twenty five if you give us ten, and you know you you give us whatever else. I still don't see how whatever else equals getting us to Jonte Murray. Now, like maybe there's some guys they secretly value again. Maybe they think that they can make Denny Avdia into some sort of version of Manu Ginobili. You know, maybe they really like Rui Hachimura and they see the similarities with Kawhi. Um, you know, that maybe they'll take mm-hmm. back KCP's expiring, you know, just to, to make the money work. It, uh, San Antonio is just not going to help us. So I, 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 I'm not sure exactly what we have that they would want. Um, I mean, the, the 10th pick, obviously, sure. I mean, I'm sure they'd like to move up and then they have nine and 10 and then maybe they can try and do something with that. Um, but I'm just not sure how realistic that is. And Quentin Mayo said as much. He said, I, out of the, the three veteran point guards that were mentioned with um, Brogdon, he, and Shea, I, I think that he mentioned him as the most unrealistic just because we don't really have much to offer San Antonio in, in a lot of people's opinions. Yeah, because his, he's on a great contract, I think, for another two, three years. He's still young. Um, he just made his first all-star team. Um, you know, he's a he's a all defensive team uh type defender. Uh, you know, almost averaging a triple double. So like they they have no incentive to move them unless they just want to just just start it all over and kind of get ready for the, you know, try to get into that 2023 draft. Cause that 2023 draft is gonna look, you know, 2003 level, I believe. So maybe they they maybe they want to do that because I don't I don't know that DeJounte Murray is like a number one option on a title team. Right. So like maybe they kind of like, all right, well, let's just go, let's let's trade him and and you know get it get as much as we can for him now while he's still on a cheap contract. 
and then we're we're hitting the reset button fully and we're we're starting over. Uh, you know, I, I, they don't have to do that because again, Dejounte is still young. Um, but it's just a matter of what their preferences is. And if they made him available, I think it would be teams that would be lining up to that would have better offers than what the Wizards could. Well, and a big holdup in all this too, right, is we don't really have the the draft assets to be thrown around just because of the the stipend rule. So did, they, they made a rule a while back to where teams can't trade first round picks in consecutive years. So we, we already have that 23 pick farmed out to Oklahoma city, I think right now. So we don't have a, a whole lot of flexibility in terms of the draft capital we can offer. And that kind of ties into our, the, the next guy here, Shea Gildas Alexander and Quentin mentioned him. Um, as the second guy, uh, most realistic in, in terms of the three that were mentioned. And if we send out, well, if, if we get DeJounte Murray, I think that we would obviously be able to keep Porzingis, but I don't think that there's any situation we acquire Shea and we keep Kristaps Porzingis. Now, I think there's a lot of people that would trade Porzingis for Shea Gojus Alexander. Um, I, it's sort of an interesting topic for me, right? Because on the one hand, if we're bad, do we want to just have that money come off the books? And if Beal's still staying, well, then maybe we have some more money to try and bring in another legit guy in. But if it doesn't work and you rebuild Beal once out, then you have Shea long-term who's still relatively young and is on a, a good contract. He's more healthy during the season. So where do you kind of stand on the, the Shea Gilgis Alexander? Assuming we could get a deal done, I think a deal would be easier to get done with Oklahoma than DeJounte Murray, just because it seems like Sam Presti is very hungry for draft picks. So maybe if we just give them 10 and then some other stuff and some young pieces, they maybe could work with, you know, maybe that's enough to get them to bite. But how do you feel about the, the Shea situation? Yeah, I, I, I just don't see how the Wizards would have the assets to get Shea. Like, I, I just – and then his salary, he just inked the new deal. He's on $30 million a year for the next five years. Um, yeah, I just don't, I don't know how they would how they would pull that off because I just don't see – like, if we had, like, a young player that I could squint and look at and say, okay, he might be a future all-star you know, maybe in a couple of years, few years down the line. If you had that player, like if you had Tyrese Halliburton and you could, I could see them getting in shape, right? Because then that just resets the clock for OKC while uh, Tyrese is still on a rookie deal, right? And they're not paying out that $30 million to a guy who's, you know, who's about to be 24. So, I but they don't really – the Wizards don't really have anything I can see that could get them an all-star caliber player. But I just don't – unless they're giving up so many future picks, but it's like they can't do that because of the, the station, station rules. So I just don't know – I don't see a scenario where they, they can get him. Like, I, I just don't – I feel like that's less likely than the DeJounte Murray uh, uh, trade because of the salary. Like, what, what are you sending out to match $30 million? I mean, it, it would have to be Porzingis. Kuzma, like what? That's not you're not getting Shay for that. Yeah, I mean, it, 
it would have to be Porzingis and then a combination of picks and then maybe, you know, Kispert, Denny, you know, maybe Rui if they liked him enough. So it's, we were a little bit more optimistic weeks ago when you're, you're trying to talk yourself into the young talent, because when you watch your, your team, right, you see the, the glimpses and the flashes where you say, okay, this can be a really good, that he has the potential to, to be a, a good, to solid, a good player long-term. Right. And I, I'm trying to be as unbiased as I can when talking about these guys, but it is hard because you watch them and you say, okay, like this can be good. Uh, this guy does have value, but when you look at the the stat sheets and the numbers and the per game totals at the end of the season, you look at the per 36 totals, it's just hard from another team's perspective, looking at some of our guys and saying like, yes, what we'll take this handful of guys. And we think that that can give us uh, the the same return for this all-star that they would essentially be giving us. Now, like this isn't the first time that, Tommy would be pulling off a deal like this. I mean, after all, he did get us Porzingis for Davis Bertans and Spencer Dinwiddie. And, and Dinwiddie had some nice moments for the Mavericks. I, I, I'm done debating that trade. But, I mean, obviously the talent level between Dinwiddie and Porzingis, it's not even close. And we saw how good Porzingis was playing for us. So do I think it's impossible for him to get a deal done and maybe try and get some other teams in where maybe they can get – they're more incentivized to make a deal than they would just be with a straight up one-on-one trade. Uh, if there's one thing I trust Tommy with it's trades. So if there was a GM who could pull it off, I think he would be the one to do it. So I'm not completely like down on the possibility of it happening, but in a straight up one V one trade, I don't, I, I, yeah, I just don't see how we have enough to, to acquire an all-star player with the guys we have. Yeah, and, that, and that's the that's kind of the fundamental issue with the, the the team as it is. Like they're kind of stuck because they don't have that young piece that kind of showed enough flash that you could make them a centerpiece of a trade to get back that caliber of player. You know, like they don't have, like I said, they don't have a Tyrese Halliburton, they don't have an Anthony Simons or Jordan Poole, one of those guys where you're like, okay, yeah, I can see him turning into an All Star. Let me trade maybe the guy that, that's here that already is on that level, you know, and we just want to reset the clock. Um, you're not doing that for, for Denny or Rui or Kispert. Like, you're, you're not doing that. So I just don't see how they, how they, uh, how they pull a deal off like that um, for a guy that's making $30 million a year and is about to enter his prime. But Last-minute thoughts. What do you think they're going to do at 10? Or you, you think they'll they'll trade it, trade up, trade back, trade it for a vet? What do you think they're going to do with it? I think they're either going to stay at 10 and just follow the board, um, or they would trade it, but it would be like a, like a, like a smaller trade. Like it would be like trading down from 10 to maybe like, 15 and getting like Terry Rozier or something like they're they would be trading back to get a starter um something like that but I don't I don't see them like doing like a huge trade where they they take 10 and, and they add to it and they go get like a, a all-star caliber point guard I just I don't I don't think they have the assets for that um yeah 
I think they'll either stay at 10 and then address point guard in a, in a you know, different way. Like I said, like I've mentioned Monte Morris as a kind of, you know, safe bet from a continuity standpoint and fit, uh, you know, something like that. But they'll just, they'll keep 10 and then they'll get like Monte Morris and I don't know, DeLon Wright or something. That'll be that. Uh, I know it's not super sexy, but <laughs> the Wizards are just kind of, they're kind of stuck because again, they don't, they don't have that young guy that that GMs look at and say, "Oh yeah, I could, I'll take him and turn him into an All Star." They just don't have that guy to 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 be the centerpiece of a big trade. I would like to think they would be a little bit aggressive in trying to move up to to four to get Jaden Ivey, and we know that there have been reports out there that they're very much so interested in doing that. Uh, there was a report that came out earlier today about Sacramento's offer, and I think it was what a young player and like two future first round picks, something like that. Yeah. So an established, yeah, an established vet, a young player, and then future picks. Um, you know, the I was, the names that were thrown around were Jeremy Grant, Kuzma, John Collins. Right. Um, so I'd imagine the better the veteran, the less you would have to give up as far as the young player and picks. So, uh, you know, obviously Kuzma will have to be on that because I think he's our, best trade ass, asset outside of BOKP. Um, so it would, and, you know, the Kings like Kuzma. Um, so it would have to be Kuzma and then whatever else you got to throw in around that and um, kind of weigh that against what other teams have. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it also from, like, Sacramento standpoint, from the, the proposed – you know, package that they're looking for back. I mean, it's it's going to look terrifying right now. So we can say, oh, man, we're not going to have enough to match that. But as we get closer to the draft process, I, I think there's a scenario where that offer can sort of calm down. I mean, of course, when you when you make when you put something on the market, whether it be a, a player or a pick, you want to try and get the most value back for it. And then as it goes on, you know, the, the value will likely go down. Uh, say that the, the Kings know right now, they know that there's a player that they could get at, you know, let's say they're trying to trade with the Wizards at 10, for example, that, that they really like and they know that they could get. And they're asking for that price, you know, of two picks, an established vet and a, and a young player or whatever. Um, but on draft night, again, they know there's a guy that they like and the Wizards are like, well, we're not going to be able to match that. Sorry. Well, Sacramento could be like, oh, OK, well, hold on a minute. Let's just cut back on one of the picks. Um, and and let's just do the deal. And so I, I think there could be a situation like that. But again, I, I four from ten is such a big drop, like especially in the NBA draft. So I don't know if it's worth it. And, and again, I was listening to um, Locked On NBA Big Board, and the the Sacramento Kings fellow, I forget his name, was saying you know that they could just take Jaden Ivey and then try and orchestrate deals after they they trade him and force teams to. Uh, make a, a really aggressive move to, to try and get him. So maybe that's something we could see. Now, I don't think Sacramento would do that. I don't think that um, that would probably be in their best interest. I still think that they would, they're very interested in Keegan Murray. I think that's the guy that they're locked in on, but say they're yeah. interested in, uh, you know, uh, Benedict Matherin and Taris and Johnny Davis, whoever, somewhere who could be there at 10, maybe someone that, uh, we don't see falling is going to fall. Say they really want Shade and Sharp. Could they get Shade and Sharp at ten at this point? 
probably. I mean, it's leaning that way. So, you know, you never know. But I definitely agree with you that I think that they're either going to just stay at 10 or they're going to trade back. I, I, I think that's the direction that they would go in. Yeah, and and I mean I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad at them like trading back and getting a starter, but still staying in the first round of the draft. Like if they can find a way to trade back, stay in the top 20 of the draft, and then acquire a starter um while doing that, I, I wouldn't be mad at that. Versus just staying at 10 taking a guy and then you kind of still have to address this huge hole with limited cap space this summer. Like I just, you know, it then, then now you're really desperate at that point. So I almost feel like, um, you know, they, it's a guarantee they do something. It's just a matter of how big the something is. It seems like now, but before we get off your last thing, um, it looks like Thomas Zadaransky is going to be signing with Barcelona. And we know that that had been a report that had been out there for a while now. So it looks almost official that he's going to be going back over to Europe. And I know that was an option that um, we both had touched on before, maybe potentially could be the starter for us next year. If you're able to get a, a young point guard, or maybe you're not able to, to make the big trade. So um any thoughts on Sadoransky leaving? I mean, I'm not really like heartbroken over it. It doesn't bother me or whatever, but it, it cuts down on an option. Yeah, in the grand scheme, it really doesn't matter. They got to figure out the top. <laughs> they got to get the top eight of the rotation right. Like, <laughs> um, you know, Sado wasn't really going to really impact that that much. Um, but yeah, now instead of needing uh, uh, one point guard. Possibly, I think they need two because I don't think they have any. I don't. Ismith isn't a viable option for next year. So no, uh, no. Yeah, they need two point guards this summer. Well, I think that's going to go ahead and do it for us today. So thank you all for tuning in. Make sure that if you're not subscribed to the show, make sure that you are rate us five stars. Leave us a comment. Uh, my DMs are always open if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. And we will see you next week with Chase Hughes after the NBA draft.